Good day to you, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. A very warm Sunday welcome to you. You're listening to St. Mark Lutheran Church in Bemidji's podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Lutheran Potluck Caterers, where our name is a contradiction and Jello is always a side dish. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, may I suggest you take a peek at www.stmarksbemidji.org. You may also want to subscribe to our YouTube channel for video podcasts or follow us on our Facebook page. If you have any trouble finding us, just look in the show notes in this podcast for the links. I also want to hear from you. If you have any feedback on the podcast or you just want to say hi, well, send me an email at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Grace is the way that God works with his fallen creation. It's like gravity, a constant force at work in how God deals with us and how he wants us to deal with others. It also happens to be the principle that is most contrary to the way the world thinks and works. Today, we focus on how God, through the beautiful unfolding of his grace, crushes the sinful, condemning assumptions that we make of others. He shows that he does not operate the way the world does. Our sermon for today is titled, God-Powered Preaching, and is based upon a reading from Ezekiel chapter 2. Pastor Allard reads it at the beginning of this meditation. We now join them. Please rise. The Word of God before us is a retread of our first lesson, Ezekiel chapter 2, so I will only read a portion from it. I looked, I saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll which he unrolled before me, and on both sides of it were written words of lament, mourning, and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then he said, Son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it. And it tasted as sweet as honey. So far the word. Please be seated. You just heard, both there and just a few minutes ago from the lectern, you heard the job description of a a prophet. Would you take it, that job description, and would you blame Ezekiel if he just up and ran after what he heard? And you might ask, why didn't Ezekiel run after what God said to him and was calling him to do? Well, he was a prophet, right? He had read things, certainly had studied Jonah and what can be learned from Jonah. And it doesn't really do anything if you try to run. Nothing changes. Things can get worse. So he remains, and he listens, and he eats that scroll. And today we're going to learn through Ezekiel as he's getting his mind blown, and he is learning from God directly as he is. We're going to see Ezekiel was not, he couldn't have been looking any longer at the externals of his work. That is not where his focus was. His focus is on what God taught him. God is the one. And this is our theme. God 
powers preaching. Why else would we do this ridiculous thing where one fellow sinner talks about some stuff for a few minutes and then we listen and then we go home? Why would we do this unless God is the one who is powering it? And he is. He's the one who brings it to the world. And as we're going to see today, God sets this pattern. And he keeps repeating it through history. Watch for it. Watch for it. He speaks and goes to the one. So that that one can go to the many. Ezekiel was one. Just one guy in exile. Don't forget that part. In other words, please let me be blunt here. Ezekiel was a loser. This whole country was a people of losers. They had literally been conquered as a nation. Think on that. As Americans, that, that's not just distasteful to us. It's unthinkable. America, no, no, we have natural boundaries. We have wimpy neighbors. We're never going to be. We're never going to be conquered. No. They were a conquered people. They had lost the war, and so Ezekiel was forced to leave his house. He was probably frog-marched in those initial days. And he was forced to leave his homeland. And he would never, please note this, he would never see her his homeland, ever again. And at that time that God found Ezekiel and spoke to him, this was already five long years where he was stewing with fellow exiles in Babylon, each morning waking up and hearing another language being spoken outside of his windows. And going, oh yeah, that's right, the nightmare is real. But here in these very words, we see this one man, this pathetic little man, Ezekiel, reminded that although the Jews were in exile, that did not mean the God of Israel had been beaten. Right? Think of how people think about gods, if they believe in any gods. For much of world history, they believe in God like this. Well, look, the gods of Babylon beat the God of Israel. And now the God of Israel has fewer and fewer worshipers, so that God is getting weaker and weaker, and soon he'll fade away. That's not how it works, is it? No, these are the ideas of men, the ideas of Jewish exiles, but Ezekiel already knew the truth. God was the one. He was the one who sent the soldiers of Babylon to virtually wipe Jerusalem and Judah off the map. God did it. And he wiped out so many of the Israelites, that I should say the Jews, were killed, and only a tiny remnant remained. And now this remnant of Jews, stewing in Babylon, you know what they were hoping for? They were hoping for a quick return to Jerusalem. That that's what was going to happen. Because they knew Jerusalem had not yet, at the time of this writing, it had not yet been entirely destroyed. Now from this, I want you to deduce. What do you think the contents were of the scroll? Notice we're given a hint. On both sides of it were words of lament and mourning and woe. Can you guess? God was saying ahead of time, what would happen seven years after the time of this writing of this lesson, where suddenly a Jew shows up 
from the old homeland, breathless, runs into the city of Babylon, and he finds a fellow Jew, the first one he can find, and he says, it's gone. And the Jew who's been living in Babylon says, what do you you mean it's gone? You're not making any sense. It's gone. Jerusalem, all of it. And you know the next question that any good Jew would immediately ask, what would it be? And what of the temple? All I give you is shake their head. This was a preview ahead of time. This is what Ezekiel was to preach. He was to prepare the people to accept the the eventual destruction of everything that they had thought had made them special. Everything that made them different. What was God doing? He was stripping away. All the visible things. I want you to think of it this way. How ironic that the place that they were in Babylon, if not the exact same place where Abraham walked and where Abraham came from, Ur of the Chaldees, remember that? God was hitting the reset button and taking them all the way back to the beginning, taking all the visible things away. The fields, the cities, the priests, the sacrifices. Yes, yes, even the temple and bringing them back to focus on the only thing he had ever, ever wanted. Their hearts. Their minds. As you might guess, many of the Jews would hate what Ezekiel would have to say, and many of the Jews would end up hating Ezekiel as well. That's why God had to get to Ezekiel first. Before that happened, before all that, to empower this one, This one pathetic man. And I'm not saying pathetic. I hope you understand this to ridicule Ezekiel. But he is just one. And he's nothing special. And give this one man the courage that he would need to keep on preaching in spite of them. In spite of himself. We read, I quote, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. What's that like? Notice what the Holy Spirit did. Might I say he had to do. He literally took control of the nerves and muscles of this human being and lifted him up on his feet. What's that like? I'm going to say it would be strange. I'm going to say at worst it would be even scary if God didn't give you peace of mind to know what's happening. And then, and I further quote, as he spoke, the spirit came into me, raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to, feet, speaking to me. We have no evidence beyond that he, Ezekiel, was going to be a priest. No evidence that distinguished this man. He was just one of the exiles. There's no reason to think he requested this audience with the Lord. We're not given that. God does not give Ezekiel an option when he comes and begins to speak to him. We are told that God took the first step, literally, raising the human being off of his probably face, if he was prostrate, and lifting him up to look at God. With these words, the Holy Spirit 
I need to say this and make it as clear as possible. He is not taking agency away from Ezekiel. Do you know what that word is? It's not a big word, but we don't use it often. Let me put it another way. He's not making Ezekiel into a puppet, a tool that God will simply use in his hands, and if it's a useful tool, great. If it's not, he'll just chuck it. He's not taking agency away from Ezekiel. What is he doing? Why did he take control of the nerves and muscles of Ezekiel? Because God has to inform him that God would lift him up. God would put the truth into his heart. God, Holy Spirit, would keep the truth burning in his heart. He would enable Ezekiel to keep discovering the truth as he searched through the scrolls of Scripture. And you can bet the Jews brought some of those with them to Babylon. And he would bring him through all the rigors and difficulties of his ministry until the day he died. You take the power source out of a Christian, what's left? Nothing. God, Holy Spirit, was going to do all this for Ezekiel, working with him as God's dearly loved son. And since Ezekiel would soon be known as the prophet of Israel who hated Israel, he would need this God as a preacher who would struggle with fear, uh, struggle with being a coward. He would need this God. While every Christian, and you can say this, this is very true, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, this quality of courage in the face of adversity is to be found especially in the preacher. If it is taken from all preachers in this world, what, what would happen? The truth would continue. But how much? How long? But let me make it real for you. This guy preaching to you needs to listen just as carefully as Ezekiel. Listen carefully to God's warnings and comforts to remind first myself that I'm actually conveying the words of a God to you. Sometimes I almost think it's good that I don't fully understand who I'm preaching about, because if I did, the creator of all the universe, and I fully understood, I might have to just sit down for a while, maybe rock back and forth for a little while about the responsibility but that being said, and my foibles aside, how hard is it for you to remember this as you sit in a pew? This broken fellow sinner up there in a pulpit is actually speaking to me the words of an infinite God. And therefore, I want to listen carefully to his promises and to his warnings. Hearing the message of God, both the promises and the warnings, this is where I want to get to this, the strangest part of our lesson. How can he eat a scroll that is composed of lamenting and crying and pain, and he eats it and it's sweet? You ever wondered about that? It's because, well, let me highlight it for you. Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Don't see it there, the sweetness quite yet, Pastor. The sweetness is not found in the people. 
it is always found in the whole counsel of God's word. Why could he eat a scroll that is comprised of warnings and crying and consider it sweet? Because not only does he have all of God's word before him, as the Holy Spirit stands him up and gives him understanding, he sees God's goal. There's the sweetness. I understand why God leveled Jerusalem. It was the only way. To wake us up, to shock us awake so that we start to listen to the God who would love us and save us with that love. That is why these words were sweet. Hey, kids, if you ever have your mom or dad lay into you and you're wondering, wait, where's the whole sweetness of God here thing? Why are they laying into you? If they love you because they're trying to toughen you up so that you listen to God, so that you can actually function in society, God's the same. One can very well understand why Ezekiel might be afraid when he starts hearing this. He's thinking, I've got to tell this to my fellow Jews. There's a very special, special state of being for preachers in hell who stray away from the teachings of our Lord. God will always hold his leaders to a higher standard. I know that's not really your focus, but I think it's good even for lay people to occasionally hear that. There's going to be a deeper place in hell for preachers. But it doesn't mean the sheep get a free pass. God powers preaching, not just to move the one, but to work with the one, not use him as a tool, but work with the one to move more, to move many, to move all. That's the sweetness. What are those Jewish sheep, of the Jewish people? We know the classic fallback position that they were going to give to Ezekiel when he started preaching this message to them, which is what? Can you guess? We're the children of Abraham. Did the prophets ever like roll their eyes and go, oh, not that again. Yes, you are children of Abraham. Great, but can you please listen to the message? That's their fallback position. What's ours? Um, we're in America. There's a lot of Americans who take God's word very seriously. That, that may even be true. That's, that's good. But God would never then do to America what he did to Judah. Is the thinking. God wouldn't destroy the United States like that. Our synod, our synod is still holding firmly-ish to the doctrines of our Lord Jesus. God wouldn't do this to our church body. He would not end us like he did the temple worship. And no, I'm not equating the two. But he would not end us like he did the temple. I'm a Wells member. Come on. There's a reason they say we even laugh seriously. I take God's word seriously and happily. God would never destroy me, would he? Would he? Let me answer that question with two more. Are you able to see your own sin? This is what God was going after when he had Ezekiel preach to his fellow Jews. Are you able to see your own sin? Forget about other people's sin. We have PhDs in seeing other people's sin, especially politicians. Don't do that. Can you see your own? And do you hate 
your sin for the tyrannical slave master that it is in your life. And am I saying you hate it perfectly all the time? No. But do you have that come back again and again, how I hate this thing? One more question. Do you believe Jesus Christ can even save you from that? If you can answer yes to those questions, if you believe those things, if you say hallelujah when you hear that, then rest assured you are fully and completely saved by God and the gates of heaven are open and waiting for you. And that forgiveness opens your eyes so you can now soberly, accurately see yourself. I am a sinner. I see it. And I am am also a saint, and I see that as well. Each Christian, yes, still has this rebellious nature, right? Though they are very much a part of the true Israel, at times, and in many times, even the greatest of Christians, if we want to use that term, falls. And they go into this stubborn state of being where they defiantly stick to this new thing that they now call holy, but it's really sin. And such a Christian can fall into that and push defiantly back on people who tell them the truth. This happens to all of us. And just like those people who bore the name Jew, we can all also call ourselves Christians when we're losing it. We're losing the faith. I'm not going to go so far as to say Christians in name only, no. But we see the sin. And the new creation in us doesn't want our sin to be excused or ignored. And the new creation in us takes words of warning and sees sweetness. God help us to go back always from hearing the word of God, even his warnings, from being bitter to being sweet. And please remember, God might use just a fellow sinner in your life, a family member, to be the one. Be ready to hear the truth from them. Christians you trust. For his ordination into the ministry, Ezekiel was given no false hope, was he? Instead, God prepared him. But it's hard. Can you imagine the first preaching, the first sermon of Ezekiel after his wonderful special calling from God? How that went? God didn't stand behind him visibly. Imagine that. How hard it was. Maybe there were a few Babylonians around, too, throwing a few, few stones, few jokes about their... Magic God. But here's the thing. It was worth it. Everything Ezekiel faced, it was worth it. In the streets of Babylon. Remember this. The Jews lost everything, and yet, among those who still trusted, however a tiny remnant that might have been, among that remnant, they lost nothing. In fact, in heaven, they would regain everything they had lost and more. Today, the challenge is the same. The test for our faith is the same, and the same question comes to our minds. Is faithfulness to the true God worth it? We see the gorgeous churches around town and in our country. All we got to do is give up a few teachings and we can get there. Am I saying that's the only way to get to be a bigger church? No. But one of the ways, just give up a few teachings and we'll get there. We can be what they are. What does God say? Whether people listen or fail to listen, through your faithfulness, 
through your faith, let them know that a prophet, that a Christian has been among them. And maybe this too, that a Christian has been among them, one who might even love them. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. If you're listening to this podcast, you're cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. In addition to our traditional worship services, we will continue to create our podcasts and post video versions of our divine services. Links to a video version of our church services can be found on our website, www.stmarksbemidji.org. Our services will continue to be live-streamed at 8 a.m. Sunday mornings and are posted for later viewing if this time is inconvenient for you. If you have any questions or would like to hear more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review and telling a friend.